Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. Sponsored by Tech Help Boston. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. If you want to inspire someone, share your success story. And that's what the show is all about. I believe that successful women think differently. And by the end of this podcast, I hope you'll agree. In the spotlight, a woman who has enjoyed tremendous success in multiple careers. In radio, as a television producer, as deputy press secretary for a former governor, as a public speaker, as a marketer, and most recently, as the author of a children's book that celebrates heritage and values and traditions. What does it take to reinvent yourself so successfully? Let's find out. Her name is Jody Tatiana Charles, and this is her story. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh, it is so good to see you. We're old friends in radio here in Boston. <laughs> Haven't seen you in a long time. You look fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are a first-generation Haitian-American. Can you tell me where you were born and a little bit about your childhood? I was conceived in Haiti. I was born in America. Uh, my mother was eight and a half months pregnant when she came to America, and I was born in Brooklyn, New York. We spent a very short time in Brooklyn, New York. My Father came and went to a cousin's graduation at Dartmouth and loved Boston, loved everything about what Massachusetts represented. And on top of that, our last name is Charles, Charles River, Charlestown. He said it was destiny for us to be here. And we started in Dorchester, then Cambridge and Brockton, Massachusetts, where I was raised. Who were your role models when you were growing up, and what, what did they teach you, Jody? You know what? The funny thing is, growing up, I didn't have a specific role model. I didn't realize my parents and my family were role models until I was much older. And everything about what I do and who I am and how I represent myself and the way that I travel around the world, everything came from them. But at the time, I just didn't know about it. You're just kind of living your life and having fun and just wondering, oh, why am I in trouble again? <laughs> so for me, like when I became older and when I was on my own, I realized my parents were my greatest role model. My grandmother was by far one of my biggest inspirations. Was there a golden rule in your house when you were growing up? You just said, oh, am I in trouble again? Were they strict? Oh, my goodness gracious. They were very, very strict. I think the golden rule was making sure that you represent the family in the right way. When you go to someone's home, you're always acting the proper way. If someone's offering you something to eat, whether you like it or not, you're trying everything because you never know. You may like it, you may not, but you have to try. So I think for us, at the end of the day, it was making sure that we were not embarrassing our family and making sure that everyone would walk away saying, wow, those Charles girls, mom and dad did a really great job with them. Brockton, you ended up there. Yes. It's a melting pot. <laughs> it's a place where immigrants have come together for mm -hmm. hundreds of years. It's their first taste of what it's like to live in America, yeah. but also to hold on to their heritage. Why is that so important, in mm. your opinion? So we lived on Blueberry Circle, and every neighbor was from a different country. And so you heard all the different languages, which was so much fun. When you're coming to America, everyone hears about the melting pot. It's not that the melting pot isn't great, but I was always raised to know about the salad. I want to know where the tomatoes are, the cucumbers. I want to know where every single part of the salad is representative. Everyone has the same likes, the dislikes, the concerns, the fears. And my parents were very focused on making sure that we want everyone to know who you are on the inside as well as the outside, to be very proud of who you are and not to, I don't know, conform. 
conforming just didn't make sense because at the end of the day, someone's going to want to really know who you are and then you may not know it anymore if you're just trying to conform. So staying true to who you are, the languages you speak, the foods that we eat, the nature that we come from was extremely important to my parents and educating others of who you are, which was the second part was education is key. Your book is called It's Just a Rug. Yes. I have to guess there's a story behind that title. I went to an event. Someone was talking about a rug. We were in a room and there was tons of rugs there. It was just one of those moments for me as he was talking. I was just kind of went into a daydream state. Rugs intertwine and they weave and they bring people together. And that's one of the things where I love to do. I've done that throughout my entire career where the same people I knew when I started a teaching career to radio, TV, etc., I still keep them in mind where if someone's looking for someone, I'm always weaving my different worlds together. The rug was the base of something that I've, that's part of me. And then I started doing my homework, hearing about Persian rugs versus American rugs. And, and that was literally the basis. Everything that's in the book has something to do with my life. And I wanted to keep it at the most basic state for everyone to enjoy. Was there a light bulb moment for you where you said, I'm going to write a children's book? Oh, my goodness. Two things actually happened. One was I had a situation where an older person was being not kind to people. And I was watching this every single day. And this person, when they were on a grandstand, they loved saying, like, look at the women, look at the diverse groups. Look. Like, they did it all the time. But yet behind the closed doors, they just disregarded the different cultures. And I thought that was just like, wow, like, like you're an older person and you're doing this. And it just really made me sad. A week later, I had a dinner with a little nine-year-old friend. And I asked her, baby what are you? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, what's your culture? Dad's Puerto Rican, Cuban background, abuela, abuelo, rice, beans. So she could tell you so much about her family. Well, that's dad's side. What about mommy's side? She totally went blank. She didn't know. And then she went into a little moment of panicking. It made me so sad. But then I started asking all my adult friends, the amount of people that either don't know who they are or they are just identifying on one side of their family and not the other. So Italians, Irish. And I think that a lot of people are just losing their identity. And then you have all these different apps and different programs where you spit on a stick and you're sending your DNA off. So people are curious, but yet they don't do what they used to do where people used to get on a plane and go to libraries and talk to people in communities to find out who they are. I feel like there's a disconnect where people are just losing themselves or people are just disregarding others. And I wanted to find a way to bring this all back together in the most happy-go-lucky way. <laughs> There's a big difference between, like you said, spitting on a stick, you know, 23andMe, Ancestry.com. And then there's the idea of talking to grandparents yes. and finding out their story. So I just came back from Colombia. I did not know that Colombia and Haiti had such a strong relationship. And I'm going to different places. And when people found out I was Haitian, they're like, thank you. And I'm like, Thank you for what? They're like, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for your country, we would have never been where we are. Like, you guys helped us support the stopping of slavery. And I'm like, I, I had no idea. I know about my culture, I thought, until you go to other countries. And now you're learning from other people that are so excited that you're there. And they're so excited about their history. that would, They would get that excitement about learning about grandma, grandpa, aunts and uncles, but also the history of different countries coming together and supporting each other and really helping each other grow. The story is It's Just a Rug, your first children's book. Tell us, what is the message? Give us the storyline. The book itself is based on three children. Dalir, he's Persian. Zazu, she's Haitian. And Bertie, he's Italian with red hair. They're eight years old and they're just kids. And this is one of the best things about children. They're just kids. They're just friends. They're playing soccer. They're having fun together until they go to Dalir's 
grandmother's house, and then they're now learning about the rug and they're learning about the culture. They're eating different foods. They're questioned by the grandmother, what about your family? And they go blank, just like Phoebe did. And now they're really excited because they're going home and they're asking questions of their mom and dad. And then they're coming back to each other and saying, guess what I learned about me? And I think that's one of the things that was that's really, really nice. But it was really nice because I read the book at a school in West Roxbury. I usually just read only half the book to get that excitement. But every kid in every single class that I've ever spoken to has said, we didn't know we had so many different cultures in our own classroom. And that, for me, is still awesome and so mind-boggling where these kids are just, they've been with each other for two, three, four years, and they had no idea. It's like finding a missing puzzle piece. Yes, exactly. The book is called It's Just a Rug, and you can go to itsjustarug.com if you want to get your copy of the book and find out more about it. Children's book author is the latest title in a very long (laughs) resume for you, Jody. Tell me, let's go back a little bit. Tell me where you went to college and what did you study? I got my undergrad degree at Suffolk University, communications and journalism, and a minor in sociology. And then I went and did my MBA at Babson College, where a double degree of strategic marketing and global management. Education is it's huge. The education is the key to everything. My parents love being in the state where there's so many resources of education. I, I love to learn. I love learning. But sitting in a classroom is painful for me. When I was applying for my MBA program, I found out I was dyslexic. I always thought I was not a smart person. I was very creative, and I could find many ways to learn because I was always taught in the household where if you want to learn, there's always ways to do it. In a classroom, it always made me feel like I was not as important. When I was applying for my MBA program, and I took the GMATs more than anyone should ever take a GMAT exam, I found out I was dyslexic. They were very surprised in regards of how did you succeed? How did you do so much? I think I did so much because I was proving it to myself, not to others. That's where the book comes from, where it's opening a door to so many other ways of learning, and it doesn't have to be the same traditional way. Tell me about the early days of your career in radio. You know, you and I met a million years ago. Mm And you were working for the competition to my station, (laughs) the big morning show in Boston, the Maddie in the morning show. I love Maddie and everybody loves Maddie. Cranky, though, he can be. What was it like working for him? Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. These days, more and more people are working from home. When your computer breaks down, you lose business. This is Dave Elmasian, president of TechHelpBoston.com. Our tech experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer. Same day, next day, and weekends too. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted us since 2000. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. I started as an intern, and I remember the day that I was interviewed, they were like, do you want to be Matt Siegel's intern, or do you want to be Art Sears intern, the producer at the time? I'm like, what's the difference? Well, one gets his coffee and washes his car, and one actually helps produce the show. I'm like, well, I'll be the one that helps produce the show. That's the one that I want. So when Art left, they invited me to be the producer, and I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this. And they had been watching me for a year and a half, and they're like, we know that you've been doing the show all along. 
getting there, it was overwhelming. I was a second and sixth grade teacher prior to being in radio. It was a world that I had never thought about. Now, mind you, I woke up every single morning listening to Matt going on dates and things like that with my mother. It was like exciting. But now I'm the producer of the number one show. And, and Howard Stern was our biggest competition overall for all of us in the city and in, in the country. That's what drove us. We had a great team. It drove us so hard because we were afraid every single day. Howard Stern was picking off people left and right in every single place. The individuals that you knew in the top 10 markets, they were all going because Howard Stern was like, pick, 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 pick. And <laughs> Matt survived. And it was because of the hard work of the team. And we were just so focused. Uber you know. so, so fear drove us. But it was fear and competition that came together that created such magic at the time. You know, we're fortunate because at this point in the growth of the story behind her success, we have podcast listeners all around the world now. But just FYI, everybody, this is just, you know, <laughs> destination radio still in the morning in Boston. It's called the Maddie in the Morning Show. And he's a great guy. Uh, but what a great way for you to get your start in radio. And interesting to hear that you had been a teacher before you got into radio. So many people in radio have been teachers yes. before. I was a preschool teacher before I really? got into radio. I didn't know yes. that. <laughs> and I always used to say to people, listen, working in radio is just like teaching preschoolers exactly. anyway. So I'm all set, right? <laughs> Tell me about your career at NECN TV. How did that oh, happen? That was phenomenal. And that was really great to, to work with the legendary Chet Curtis. I always wanted to work for Oprah. I had a, a list of the stars that I wanted to have. So this I was guess. your bucket list? Yes, it was the, bu the bucket list. I worked three and a half years to get Oprah on the show. And we had Oprah, Billy Costa, the co-host to Matt Siegel and myself were at the Four Seasons interviewing Oprah. And after the interview, I'm like, I want to work for Oprah. But I had zero TV experience. I jumped into the TV world at NECN, and Chet Curtis was now starting at NECN. And it was great because I got to be his, his producer. Everything that we did for so many years at KISS, okay, how do we visualize that? And going and having reporters going out and getting that soundbite and getting those interviews and giving them just, this is the story, make it happen. And then it come back in the evening. So I went from morning show to evening show was so hard. It was really so amazing to, to be in the editing booth where like we have three hours of interview and we're like, okay, you have 30 seconds to get it on the air. And that was it. So it was just really interesting to actually design how you take what we did in radio and then now we're doing it in TV. And working with Chet was amazing. Absolutely amazing. To work for a legend that was on TV for 25 years prior. He had traveled the world. He had interviewed so many of the, the big dogs of the world. And now you're one of his producers, that was like a blessing in disguise. Next stop, Deputy Press Secretary to former Governor Mitt Romney. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? That was interesting. I've never looked for a job. I've been very blessed where I've been poached from place to place. I was at NECN. I was one of the field producers for the gubernatorial races. I had a broken leg. I ran the Boston Marathon and I didn't train well. And so my doctor said, do not do anything. Just rest. And of course, I went rollerblading broke my leg. My boss said, he goes, you know what? We're going to just give the position of field producers to somebody else. I'm like, no, 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 no. I can do it. I can do it. And I hustled on crutches like nobody else. During the gubernatorial races, they noticed me hustling back and forth on crutches. I mean, I'm literally popping Advil, which is not good for you. I'm not going to let this go. After he won, two weeks later, they called. They're like, we'd like you to join the team. I'm like, yeah, I'm a Democrat. I was a Democrat at the time. I'm independent now. And he's like, I go, well, yeah, I, and no, no, thank you. He's like, no, 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 we saw you hustle. Like, we really want you there. I'm like, I don't like politics. I'm from Haiti, not a big fan. I mean, literally the convincing was clear. Just we want you to think about it. It'd be interesting. I'm like, no, no, I'm inappropriate. I'll do a cartwheel in the state house. I'm just not that person that would be proper and prim. And I remember sitting down with Gloria Larson, now 
President Bentley and Alison King, one of the reporters at NECN, we went to the ladies' room. I go, I got a phone call, and this is what they said. What should I do? And they both are like, take the job! Take the job! <laughs> and it was literally the most amazing thing because if you're going to learn about politics, a poli-sci class is not it. You have to be inside it to really understand it. I respect politics. I respect the game. I respect everything about it. But I'm very, very clear about seeing it for what it is. Um, because I was inside of it. What was it like to learn from Mitt Romney, one of the most successful businessmen in the United States of America? Was he generous with you? You, you know, you said the key word, one of the most successful businessmen and also never, ever a moment of not educating. Well, one of the biggest things for me before I took the position was, is he dedicated to his family? Because I'm dedicated to my family and everyone knows he's dedicated to his family. So that was number one, yay. Number two, education. And I'm that person that will ask these random questions. He never had a moment where he wasn't willing to educate you and not a one word sentence, literally talk to you, talk to you, explain to you for you to really, really get a grasp at everything, whether it's politics, whether it's business, being Mormon, everything. He was very, very open. He was my pregame to my MBA. There's no way I would have ever gone to get an MBA if it wasn't for Mitt. Did you ever think about following him for the presidential race? Were you asked to be part of his uh, campaign? I'm not a campaigner. I'm definitely a, I'm a worker bee, but I love my state. I love everything that we do for our state. I love that every other state and every other country looks at us. We make things happen here. I wanted to stay here. And also I wanted to get my MBA. So a few of us went off and got our MBAs. How important have relationships, connections been in recreating yourself all these times, in launching these chapters in your life? I feel like I'm a little bit of a Madonna <laughs> where you're just kind of like kind of keeping your yourself relevant. The relationships have been great. I'll use the example of three years ago, my grandmother and my dad died seven months apart from each other. The world, and I say the world, was with my mother and I. It was amazing how friends and family from all parts of my career were there for us for an entire year. It wasn't a bad year. It was a sad year, but it wasn't a bad year because we had the most amazing support. My family's at NECN at KISS, whether I was teaching. I couldn't be more blessed to be in this beautiful city. When you really think about it, Jody, you are a fearless entrepreneur. You are many, many things. A teacher, a radio host, or a producer, a TV producer, a press secretary. But you really are an entrepreneur. You're a marketer. You're the founder of LCG Brands. Do you sleep? I do. It's, <laughs> it's funny how I sleep a lot. I love sleep. <laughs> if I come up with something in the middle of the night and I wake up and I'm not afraid to send an email out at 2 o'clock in the morning and then go right back to sleep. I have ideas all the time. They are always coming. I mentor a lot of companies. I do a lot of speaking engagements globally. I'm constantly seeing so many amazing entrepreneurs that want to get to the next step. And they know what they're doing. They don't know how to do all the other things. They don't know how to know clearly who their target audience is. They don't know how to talk about what they do. They don't know how to even embrace the fact that they're experts. I want to help them. This is where the teaching comes back. This is what my yeah. dad and my mom always said, where you have to really give back to your community. You can't just take, take, take. You have to give back. And every Thursday, whether I'm in Cambridge Innovation Center doing the mentoring or a mass challenge where I'm judging, you have to give back to community. But also it comes back to you because whenever I need something, they always come back. And it's just really nice to know that you've done something so well that people will always come back to you and they really shine about that. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Oh, besides having a, you know, a Debbie Downer day. Uh, Debbie Downer day, I pint of ice cream. I call it a day. Literally, I call, get a pint of ice cream, eat it, and then, like, I get over myself. Um, and then I call friends and family. I mean, and they really help me get out of my own way and just help me really focus. 
and if nothing else, I get in my car or I get on a plane and I go on holiday and I experience other things because you're going to see how other people are struggling and then you're going to realize, mm, yeah, it's not about you and your little circle anymore. And there's so many more things you can do. So sometimes I have to be humbled and I'm humbled by my friends and family, but I'm humbled by watching other people struggle and they're struggling, but they're asking for help. They're asking for help. And I want to be there for them. So it's the best way for me to get out of my own way is to make sure that I can give back. And it really just like, again, grounds me. What do you wish you knew when you first got started? And can you pass that wisdom along to a young woman who's just getting started in her career right now? You know what? The biggest one is you really can't do it by yourself. I have that, those moments where I'm just afraid to ask for help sometimes, or I don't want to get disappointed by someone if they say no to me. And if someone says no, that's okay. Go to the next person. And so asking for help and embracing what people are doing for you. And also when someone's giving their time, being very conscious about the fact that they are literally taking time out of their day to help you. So being kind, being kind to the fact that they are here for you. Listen to them. You may not have to agree with 100% of what they say, but listen to them, be kind, and send a thank you note. <laughs> I'm a huge believer in that. <laughs> oh Handwritten, preferably. To get thank you notes from younger people is awesome. <laughs> Moms, dads, uncles, grandmas, whoever's, thank you. Being appreciative of the person that you took time to meet, and also before you meet with them, do your due diligence to make sure that you research who they are. The amount of people that ask for meetings with me and they, they've done their homework, I am so impressed that they've done their homework on me to know that whatever they're going to ask for questions makes sense. It makes sense. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Be yourself. Be yourself. Be true to yourself. Do not try to be a duplication of somebody else because when I want to meet you, I want to meet you. I think that's for me what the book represents, what I represent, what I've done throughout, where I am making sure all of my clients, all of my past people I've ever worked with, we all are ourselves, tried and true. I'm holding this beautiful book in my hand. It's just a rug written by Jody Tatiana Charles. What a beautiful name you have, by the way. Thank you so very much. What was it like when they handed this book to you and you said, oh, I did it? <laughs> I have to say that Diana Lasado, our illustrator, literally made the words pop. Emily, our editor, she literally did not change one word. She just made it flow. We were just giddy. And Diane and I met first. And so we had the book and we were at a diner and we were ordering our coffee. And, and the gentleman was watching us. He's like, you guys are laughing a lot. We're like, we're just giddy. We just like, we just launched a children's book. And he's like, let me see it. And we showed him, he goes, can I buy it right now? We're like, we're like, what? He goes, I have a little girl. He goes, I've been reading the same books over and over again. I'll take it right now. And, and Diana's like, but it's, it's my copy. <laughs> It's my first copy. You were probably like, give her the book. <laughs> we still can't believe it. We still can't believe it. And I think that one of the coolest parts was when I was at the Library of Congress in D.C. and it was actually inside the Children's Center. I'm thinking, how is this even happening? All of us were just elated, elated, elated. And just the feedback has been really great from all ages. A lot of grandparents are buying the books. And I'm like, I go, you're buying two. I'm like, who's the second one for? They're like, it's for me. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, I want to have this as a reminder as a reminder of how the world has changed, but how it's important. And I'm like, oh my God, I love this. So it's affecting all. That leads me to my next question. <laughs> what would your grandparents say about so, your incredible journey? I was raised with only one grandparent. And that was like my grandmother, Elza Prophet. She's the namesake for Zazu. My grandmother was, she was always just amazed that there was nothing that I couldn't do or didn't want to do. And so she literally said to me, 
over and over and over again. Do not let any, anyone intimidate you and do not let people say that you can't do something because I watch you every single day and I see that anything you want, you go after. So I think that's one of the biggest things for my grandmother where she would not be shocked by this. I love that for her. I love that. She would expect it. Yeah, she would expect it. At this very moment, in this exciting chapter in your life, of which I am so sure sitting here with you for this interview, there are many more chapters to come. In this moment, what does success mean to you? It's the basics. Success for me is making sure that my family and my friends are happy. I'm there for them. They're there for me. They, we make each other smile. It's just spending time and moments and making each other smile. And that for me is success. I know that you do an awful lot of traveling and that that's really a passion for you. What does it feel like though, when you touch down in Haiti? Oh my goodness, it's home. It's home, it's the motherland. You hear the music, uh, you, you see the people. It, it really is undescribable. To walk into their church where you see their names on pews, to hear the music that we hear at home, and now you're hearing it live from the people on the streets, it's just really awesome. <laughs> we try to take a lot of the younger generations to, to Haiti often. You walk in, you see the artwork, and you can see the artists on the streets for the metalworking, the weaving of baskets. It's just everything is live, where before they're just seeing it in the house, and they're just, oh yeah, it's part of our house, but now they're seeing the individuals doing it, and how important it is from the person that was carrying around the bananas, to the person that has the bicycle with the bananas, to the motorcycle with the bananas, to now the cart with the bananas. The entrepreneurship started really, really deep for us way back when, and it's a part of who we are. And I think that's where that comes from for me, but the younger generation and myself, as a reminder, we get to see that live, and it literally makes you feel whole. When a parent buys your book, It's Just a Rug, what do you hope they learn, they feel, they appreciate about heritage, about values, and tradition. I want you to be aware that you came from somewhere. You are someone. You're unique and you stand out. You are the educator to your children, to your grandchildren, to maybe someone in your classroom. And you are the key to making sure that they understand how important they are and how valued they are. That message is not just for the children, but the message is for the adults as well. We're moving too fast and we're forgetting who we are. And I think that more people should really dig deep and find out more about everything that makes them like a weaving rug. I want to say thank you so much for joining us this week on the story behind her success. Jody Tatiana Charles. Thank you so very much. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?